journey to make better decisions, Father. To have wisdom as it relates to decision making. Father, I have a direction tonight. As always, if you desire to flow or function any other way in our midst tonight, have your way. Father, my goal is that you be glorified in this service. In Jesus' name. Everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Praise God. Just love on someone tonight. Tell them, God bless you. Let them know it's good to see you. And then you may be seated. Tonight we're talking about wisdom and decision making. Just give me about 15, 20 minutes. Then there's a direction that I have and then we're going to spend some time praying tonight. If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And I want to impart something into you tonight. That's the goal of tonight's message is impartation. And and prayerfully what will happen tonight is you'll catch something by the Spirit. I mean, life is really about decision making. Every day, all day, it's about decision making. And one thing that I I don't think I will ever forget for the rest of my life, uh, after We had received the prices, Apostle Fred and Dr. Betty as our pastors. He gave me this platform to be able to ask him any question that I wanted to ask him. How many of you know that's a blessing to be able to ask someone of that caliber a question? And you believe it or not, the question that I wanted the answer to was if he could do anything over again in ministry, what would he do? And it's interesting that he went back to a decision that he made. And he explained that that one decision changed the course of his ministry forever. I just, I'll never forget that. He told me one example. I won't share the examples. He told me one example on the bad side, one example on the good side. And then he looked at me and he said, Joel, your job is about judgment and the ability to make right decisions. And... In ministry, if you make one wrong decision, it could cost you for the rest of your career. And then he related that to the, to the bad one. And I just, I remember sitting there and I said, man, Lord Jesus, help me. Uh, how many of y'all can look back and wish, the few decisions you wish you could get back? Right. Oh, the goal throughout life is obviously we're never going to be perfect. I mean, if you can make more good decisions than you do bad decisions, you're probably going to end up successful in life. All right, in Acts chapter 9, I want to show you something here. Beginning at verse 1, I don't have any notes. I'm just going to minister from my spirit tonight. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, one unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus and to the synagogue, that if any if they found any of this way. Now, remember, Christians were called of this way or of the way prior to being called Christians. So he's referring to those that have named the name of Jesus Christ. And he's saying here, whether they're men or women, it doesn't matter that I might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. How many know we need to pay attention when things happen? that are outside of the normal realm. Anytime you have some activity going on around you, pay attention to it if it's outside of the normal realm of things. 
to see if God may be trying to get your attention. So you can imagine if you're going down the road and all of a sudden a light that's brighter than the sunlight or if it's dark outside, a light shines. You need to pay attention to that. Believe it or not, that's how I got saved. In my dorm room, no one present, 3 o'clock in the morning, lights are dark, I cannot sleep, and the shades are closed, but the light is coming through the shade and it's shining on this Gideon Bible. You know the Bible that they give you as soon as you get on a college campus, a little green Bible that they get? It's shining on that Bible. I can't sleep. So I go to the other end of the bed, pull the covers over my head, and now I can see the light coming through this cover. How many of you know something's different about that? And so finally I get up to see what the light is shining on, and it's shining on this Gideon Bible. And folks, I get up, turn to the back of that Bible, read the sinner's prayer, Sign the back of the Bible, and that's how I gave my life to Christ. Pay attention to activity that's outside of the normal realm of things. So a light shines from heaven, and he fell down to the earth and heard a voice saying, now, how many know that's another sign? If If it knocks you out, you know something's going on, right? And no one laid hands on you, right? So it says here, and he fell down and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? So the Lord took personal what Saul was doing to his people. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? Most people believe this is the quickest conversion ever in the scripture right here. It's who art thou, Lord? How I many know no one can be saved unless they call on the name of Jesus, right? And so right away he says, who art thou, Lord? Quickest conversion. And the Lord said unto him, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. For it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Anyone in here know what that means? Hard for thee to kick against the pricks. All right, let's exhaust that tonight. Pricks here is a Greek word that literally means gourd. Okay, listen very carefully. The word translated pricks here is a word that means gourd. Properly, it's any sharp point, pointed object which will pierce or perforate, as in the sting of a bee. But commonly, uh, it means an ox gold. So it's a sharp piece of iron stuck to the end of a stick, which is used to urge a ox on. So if you all can picture that, it's a sharp piece that they put on the end of a stick. And when the ox won't move because it's stubborn and rebellious, They'd stick it in the butt to try to get it to move along quicker. What is Jesus saying to Paul here? Paul was stubborn. Now, how many of you know we can be stubborn too? Oh, Lord, here we we go. How many of y'all know there are things God said to you and you still haven't done them yet? All right, so this is the real spiritual side of the room right here. How many of you can think of areas where you know God has said some things to you, but you haven't moved on it yet? I'll prove this from the text here in a moment. Let me just elaborate it on it, on it a little bit more. This uh, expression here derives from the action of a stubborn and unyielding ox kicking against the gold. So if you can picture this, while being stuck, the ox is kicking. Okay, and we've all been there, uh, right? God told us to do something, and we keep going against that. Right? So imagine the ox is being, but 
the ox is doing is resisting and kicking back. All right? I've been there before. I know everyone in this room has been there before. All right, listen to this. It denotes here a course of conduct, this is interesting, that is resisting the authority that's been placed over it. Isn't that interesting? And so literally what Jesus is saying to Paul is that I'm the ultimate authority here. And you're going to make life hard for you if you keep going against me. Can you all see the context here? All right, let's go back to the text. You'll learn this in life. Anytime you go against God, things are going to be challenging. Jesus said in, uh, I think it's Mark, not Mark chapter 11, uh, I think it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 26. He said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, right? Notice, for my yoke is easy and my burden is what? Life, right? Well, his yoke is his teachings. He's saying, I'm not going to put anything on you or put anything in front of you or ask you to do anything that's going to be hard. But how many know the enemy will always come in and say, You can't do that. That's too hard, right? And you'll see where we're going with this tonight. Now, verse 6 here. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? So right away, Paul understood the direction that the Lord was speaking to him about because look at his next response. Paul immediately identified, yeah, I've been going against you. What is it that you would have me to do? I mean, that's a good place for all of us to be. At some point, folks, all of us, unless you do what God instructs you to do, you're going to be broken to a place where you don't have nothing else but to do what he instructed you to do. Right? I've been there. Folks, I know what it's like to be full of pride, I mean, don't even think my own feet smell. Come on, somebody. Think life is, is really belongs to me and, and life is blessed because I live in it. Come on, anybody ever been there before? I remember graduating from college, man, and, you know, obviously all these awards, all this stuff. Blah, blah. I'm getting ready to take life by storm. I'm full of pride. I'm the man. I'm this. I'm that. I'm going home. I'm getting ready to take over. I give my life to Christ, and it's like he broke all of that down. To the point where I found myself walking around finding cans and bottles. I have no money, no gas in the car, and I've got a friend with me, right? And I have too much pride to go into the store to turn in the cans. Because you remember, you get 10 cents back when you turn in the can. I know nobody else in here knows what I'm talking about. I've lost so much weight that I've got sweatpants on under my pants because I haven't been able to find a job since I graduated from college. How many know God's trying to get my attention? So I asked the guy, Lawrence, outside of the store, would you take these in and cash these in for me? And he did. Brought me the $2 back. Then I had a friend. Big Macs were 99 cents at that time. I'm starving. So I go get a 99 cent Big Mac, and he says, I'm hungry. And back then, gas was 78, 79 cents a gallon. So I put a dollar in the tank, folks. I mean, no guy's trying to get my attention. Right? And so I want you all to understand, the longer you go against it, eventually a circumstance is going to come up in your life that's going to get you a full attention. And you're going to be left to, at a place until you're broken. You're going to be left at a place where you have nothing else to do but obey God. And I mean, that's a good place to be right there. 
As soon as I was broken and I said, okay, God, I quit. What is it you'll have me to do? It's interesting that right there is when he said go to Bible school. Once I agreed to do that, job showed up, got hired at Ford Motor Company. Everything began to come together once I agreed to do what he was calling me to do. Isn't that interesting? So guess what, folks? I could still be in that situation today. I know people that life has not moved since I left college. Amen. Amen. Had I not obeyed and made the right decision on that one situation. Isn't that good? Let's keep going here. The men which journeyed with him, in verse 7, stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Now, it's interesting that soon as he gives his life or converts, makes a decision to make Jesus the Lord of his life, it's interesting that the first thing that he does after he says, Lord, what is it that you'll have me to do? It's interesting that God puts him on a fast. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Right? Well, what is God trying to do? I mean, you can't hear from God with the television on, all these voices, come on, noise, all that. He's trying to give Paul or Saul some specific instructions And he knows he has to quiet everything else around him down so that Saul can be in a position to hear him. So he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. What is that called in the Bible, folks? Fasting. God put him on a fast. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Ananias. Well, what is a vision, folks? That's supernatural eyesight. It's really the ability, it's translated here as a trance. We call it daydreaming. Have you ever just been stuck looking at something? And you don't know how long you've been in that situation. You need to pay attention to what you're, what you're seeing during those times. Because God could be speaking to you. Ananias says, uh, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas... For one called Saul of Tarsus, watch this now, for behold, he prayeth. So so notice how specific the Holy Spirit is. He told him where to go, what street the house was on, and who was the owner of the house. Then he told him what the person in the house that he would be praying for would be doing. He would be praying. Listen, folks, if you're quiet down enough, God will be that specific about what you're supposed to do. He'll tell you what street to go to. He'll tell you who to see when you get there. Come on, somebody. God's not withholding anything from you. He's actually trying to get something to you if you quiet down all the voices around you. And let me help you all understand something. You're going to find everyone can't go with you to your next level. And that's a hard pill to swallow from time to time. But everyone can't go. Not because you don't want them to go. They don't want to go. And he said, I've seen in a vision a, name, a man named, now let, let's keep going here. And he's see, he seen in a vision a man named Ananias. Now this is Paul who's praying, or Saul who's praying, named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man 
how much evil he have done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he have authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name. Then he describes his calling before the Gentiles and the kings until the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, have appeared unto thee in the way uh, as thou camest and have sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's some other things I can say around that. But, but notice, Ananias was not on that road when Paul was knocked out by that light. But let, yet the Lord showed him what he did to get Saul's attention. You see how when there are two people involved, God's going to tell both people everything about that. That's why if someone comes up and tells you the Lord told them to tell you something and he hasn't told you, you better put that on the shelf somewhere and tell them, I appreciate your effort and your obedience, but give me some time to go pray about what you've shared with me. And if the Lord doesn't confirm that with you, don't you act on that. You know how many people have made decisions because of what someone else told them to do? The Lord told me, you look like a prophet. And there's a prophetic gift on you. And you need it, and people go run off on that stuff. You're supposed to be in Bible school. You never heard nothing like that before. People will go quit their job. Folks, I've seen all of this. Quit their jobs, right? Head of household, wife and children, saying the Lord told me to go to Bible school. Now we, you know, foreclosure sign on the house. Hello, son. I mean, when all that activity starts happening, God didn't tell you that. Let's pull him right out of that and say, no, I made a mistake, right? Be careful when people are telling you something that they said the Lord told you told them to tell you, and he didn't tell you first. This is, I'm of the belief here. Usually he's going to tell me first and use you to confirm it, especially if I have a prayer life. It's usually the way it's going to go. If not, then I'm going to go depending on the vessel, which I'll show you here in a moment. You notice that Ananias is described here as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So he has proven character, and he's recognized as someone that should do something like this. Right? Not someone just sitting in church talking about, I pray five hours a day. Well, how many hours do you work a day? I mean, I, I hear all of this stuff, folks. Somebody grabbed me this past Sunday, said the Lord told me to tell you. I won't even repeat that. I said, praise God, sweetie, praise God. <laughs> This helping anybody tonight? You better know how to hear him for yourself now. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. Let's begin reading at verse 9. Notice what it says here. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard Neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that what? That love him. God has made some things ready for you folks that has your name on it and it's not for anyone else but you. 
God has some gifts for you, some packages for you, some success for you. He has life for you. He has a spouse for you. Come on, folks. God has, he's already made this stuff ready just for you, but it's not automatic. Right? Let's continue to read here. But God have revealed them unto us by his what? Capital S there. Numa, Holy Spirit. So notice, he's revealed, that word revealed there means to pull the cover off. Anyone ever had an aha moment, aha moment where you said, I see it now, right? That, that's what happened to you as he pulled the cover off so, so that you could see what he had for you, right? So notice, but God have revealed them unto us by his spirit. Watch this now. For the spirit, and this is the theme of the rest of this text, for the spirit search of all things Yea, the deep things of God. So what searches all things? The Spirit, right? And we're really referring here to the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one that knows everything, not you. Right? Thank God for your degrees. Thank God for your education. But if you solely rely on that, how many of you are going to miss out on a whole lot that God had for you? And you're going to get what you got wanted out of life, but you're never going to get what he wanted you to have. And those are two different things here. Look at verse uh, Verse 11 here. For what man knoweth the things of man? Man here referring to our lower carnal nature or, you know, things that, that we can understand through our five senses. So what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man, which is where? In him. So if you understand and you read other translations here, you cannot understand how to get your life together on your own. You, you can't. It's impossible without God's help. All right? And really, if you don't get anything else tonight, die to the fact that you know more than God. If you can die to that and say, God, I only know what you instruct me and what you tell me, and then what he'll take is what you know and put it all together and use it for his glory. But if you just go and then ask him to come on in and be a part of your plan, how many of you know now you put him in the, in the back seat and you in the front seat? Watch this now. For what man know of the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God know of no man but what? The Spirit of God. So did you hear what he just said there? You cannot know the things of God apart from the Spirit of God. Right? And so this is why having a daily prayer life, daily word life is so important if you want to have success in God. This is the greatest discipline you can have in life is to get up every day and spend time in the Word of God, spend time in prayer. Because when you do, then you're going to know what God wants you to have and do for that day. How many of y'all think that's important? Every day. Think about the amount of decisions we have to make every day, all day. Right? Lord, show me you before this service tonight. There's something I'm going to pray for you tonight. We're all filled. There are things that come at us all day, every day. Decisions, decisions, decisions. You're not full of this. How I many of you are going to make a train wreck if all you're doing is making decisions based off of what you think is right? Right? Because there'll be some things that you wouldn't do on your own that he'll tell you you need to do. And you're saying, I can't do that. But there are things he understands about that that you don't understand. And if you don't learn how to trust that, then you're going to end up keeping something longer than you needed to. And then you're going to find out why he told you that two years ago. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Let's just look at it from a relationship standpoint before you got married. How many of y'all stayed in a relationship too long? 
Oh, Lord. Come on, folks, come on. How many of y'all, you knew early on in the process, too, but you hung around just to see if something would change, right? But he told you long before that, you could have bypassed a whole lot of stuff, right? Anybody here know what I'm talking about? All right, let's keep going. Now, we have not received the spirit of the world. Well, what is the spirit of the world? That word there is cosmos. So we're talking about a system here. I mean, no, we've not received the spirit. Everything in this system is opposed to the way God does things. In the kingdom of God, folks, the way to go up, you've got to go down. You've got to humble yourself. The way to get, you want to be blessed, you've got to give. Right? Everything is opposite, right? And so think about information that's coming to you. All of the, I mean, if you watch television all day long, you're going to have a spirit of something different than God. Man, TV is gone crazy. I'm talking about channel two, four, and seven. I'm not just talking about cable. It was a time when that stuff was reserved for other channels. But I came in the room and my daughter was sitting there watching tele- regular stations. And I'm like, man, is this what it's gone to now? Now, we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, watch this now, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Now, I know you all are out there thinking, yeah, God, there's a free house coming for me, a free car coming for me. That, folks, there's nowhere around here we talking about stuff. Right? Now, it uses things, but the stuff that he's freely given us is making us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, the stuff that he's freely given us is salvation. Come on, somebody. Come on, the stuff he's freely given us is his grace. And all we've got to do is respond to that by faith. Then the stuff follows that. But I don't know how we took that verse to simply mean free cars, free houses. When, folks, that's the lower nature stuff. The higher nature stuff is is salvation, being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, having all my sins forgiven. That's the free stuff that I'm excited about. Because that's the stuff that produces all the other stuff. It says, which things also we speak. Now, I mean, we're supposed to talk about that kind of stuff all the time. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All my sins have been forgiven. God has already provided everything for me by his grace. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm more, I mean, we're supposed to be speaking about what's been provided for us all day long. And we're supposed to let people know so that they can see the results of what it is that we're speaking in our lives. So he says, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, watch this now, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What is he referring to here? Well, what should we be speaking? The Word of God. So if we're going to compare something spiritual to something else spiritual, if we believe, if you keep this in context... Whatever you believe you've heard with your ears, whatever you believe you've seen with your eyes, whatever you believe you've heard with your heart, how many know it needs to be judged? And how do you compare spiritual things with spiritual things? I need to take what I believe I've heard with my ears, seen with my eyes, hello somebody, what's entered into my heart, and see that it's in agree with the Word of God. And how many know the Word and the Spirit are never going to disagree? 
And so before I make a final decision, I need to judge what I believe I've heard with my ears, seen with my eyes, and what I believe entered into my heart. And if I can't find nothing to confirm that in the Scripture, how many know it didn't come from God? It's a wisdom that's trying to come from this world. Is that clear? Everybody understand that? I mean, God's not going to tell you to live with someone you're not married to. How I many know God's not going to tell you not to tithe and pay your bills? So I knew nobody would say amen on that one right there. How I many God's not going to tell you that? Satan will tell you that's a worldly wisdom that you know God understands. This one time, and then, then one time turns into three times, three times turns into eight times. Hello, somebody. Then before you know it, there's a lifestyle of disobedience. And then as soon as you think you get ahead, the rug snatched out again. And it's like putting money in brown paper bags with a hole in it, right? And life is just cyclical like that, right? So, so wisdom and decision-making, really, folks, everything has to be judged. Not based off of what you think, but what did God say about that? Everybody clear? Let's keep reading here. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Watch this. For they are foolishness unto him. What? I'm not giving 10% of my money to no church. What? Not sleep with somebody before I get married? You must be crazy. They don't even, why would I, I don't even buy a car without test driving it first. Who does that? That's old. That's stuff. That's, some, that's somebody's religion trying to keep us in bondage. I mean, that's all the world's wisdom. Look at such and such. They live together. Looks like their life is all right. You're not in that house to know what's going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Might be all kind of hell going on in there. Right? But how many know all day long, God's wisdom will come to you and worldly wisdom will come to you. And you have a choice. Watch this now. I love this. The natural man can't receive. That's your lower carnal nature, five senses, cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, watch this, because they're spiritually discerned. This word discerned here means uh, to investigate, it means to determine, it means to examine, and it means to judge. So in other words, they won't have enough sense to go and judge it. They're just going to go based off of their five senses or their lower nature. How many of you need to take everything? If you're going to be wise in decision-making, take everything and see if it agrees with the Word of God. I don't care how fine he is. I don't care how many muscles he's got jumping out his shirt. Let me tell you something. I can tell you how he will look after about three years of not coming home. Hello, somebody. Not knowing where he's at. Hello, somebody. I can tell you all of that muscle... It, will look, it won't look the same, I promise you that. Okay? You, you all listening? And compare it all. But he's a good guy. I, I didn't ask you that. Is he a good saved guy? And is he committed to the things of God? So many people have married good people, but not godly people. Right? Good is okay, but godly is better. What was one of the key things I needed to see? Not, now, my wife is beautiful. I mean, the reason I watched her for three years was because I needed to see that she loved God more than anything else. Or dated her for three years, three and a half years. But I watched her for two years before I said a word to her. 
Now, it was important to me to see if she had a personal relationship with God on her own. Did she have any personal conviction? How many of you know that's important? See, do they only come to church when you invite them? All right. I think I hit a gusher right there. <laughs> no one said amen on that one. They just stared at me on that one. All right. Watch this. But, the, but he that is spiritual, watch this, judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Isn't that good? So somebody that's really mature, they judge everything before they make a decision. Watch this. But yet, they don't care about what other people say about them. Right? And until you get to a place where you stop caring what other people think, of, think about you, you can't make big decisions. Because the decisions you make won't please everybody. I'm learning now, folks, the reality is it's impossible to please everybody. So just focus on pleasing God. That'll work for some people. That won't work for other people. But it'll work for God every single time. I've learned some people are with you for a season. Some people are with you for a reason. Some people are with you for a lifetime. I'm okay with all three of them. It's just, it is what it is, folks. It's called life. People that are going to be with me forever, it's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And then on earth, my wife, my children. (laughs) And then there are going to be a few people that stay with you along the way, the whole ride. But it's not going to be crowds, folks. It's going to be an intimate group. It's good stuff, isn't it? For who have known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Watch this. But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Because we have the word of God. Right? And if we're mature, we're going to use that word to judge every decision that we make. Every decision we make is going to be judged by that word. I'm encouraging you tonight. Make no major decisions that you don't spend enough time praying about. Go right down one more. We won't turn there. Colossians chapter 3. Amber, come up here for a moment. Colossians chapter 3. We always read verse 16. Matter of fact, just pull that for me from the Amplified. We always read verse 15. But I want you to see all the activity around verse 15 leading up to verse 15. I'm learning now, Minister Deanna, I can't make any major decisions until I spend quality time in two areas, prayer and the Word of God. And there are things he's instructed me to do that my head is saying no. (laughs) But in here, you got to do it. There are other things that down here, man, I can't get nothing on it. But up here, it's all green lights. See, in that situation, you don't move. Even though everything looks like it's lining up up here, you don't move until you get something down here. Let me see that out of the Amplified. Just real quick here, Colossians chapter 3. Look at all this activity. We always say, let the peace of God rule, right? We always say that, right? Let it act like an umpire, calling all questions that arise in our mind, what? Safe. Or out. We always say it. We know that. Let the peace of God rule. 
But look, you can't get to that until you look at the verses prior to that. Okay? Look at verse... Just go to the verse right before it. It says, and above all these things, put on love. Did you pull up this Colossians chapter 3? Above all these things, put on love and enfold yourselves with a bond of perfectness, which bonds everything together completely. Is that 3? Colossians chapter 3? That's it? Okay. All right, amplify. And then verse, this writing is too small. That's what it, you, you got the big writing over there. Yeah, that's a little better. I don't know how you see that right there. All right, it's much better. All right, watch this. Verse 16. After all of that, it says, And let the words spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all richness as you teach and admonish and and train one another in all insight and intelligence and wisdom. And spiritual things, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So, so notice there, you'll see praise and worship, spending time in the Word of God, all of that is what's a part of being able to sense the peace of God about something. You all see that? And so you don't make major decisions, folks, and you haven't been putting that in. All right, lift your hands to the Father. That's what the Lord told me to share with you. I don't know what's going on with your life. Would you all stretch your hands towards her? But what I saw driving in today was that you're getting ready to make a major decision. And you're at a fork. And it's a major decision that's going to have lasting impact, not just on you but also on your son. And what I believe the Lord has instructed me to tell you is to take more time before you make that final decision. Lift your hands to the Father. You know more about that than what I just shared, but that was what I was instructed to say. And so, Father, I add my agreement and I join my faith. She will obey you in this regard, Father. And I know her head may say something, Father, but her spirit will override it. It will rule and it will act like an umpire. It'll be the final authority, Father. She won't kick against it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Receive that. Praise God. Praise God. Let's take about 10 minutes tonight. Anyone in here have a major decision that you're facing right now? We all are. (laughs) I've got about five of them. Anyone in here? Anyone else? Major decision? Praise God. Let's take about 10 minutes or so to just pray over that right now. Uh, However you're led, if you want to get someone to get in agreement with you, uh, they're sitting next to you, you want to pray by yourself, however you're led. But what I want you to know tonight, God's not withholding anything from you. He's actually withholding it for you. And if you'll spend enough time, quiet down all the voices around you, you'll get some specific.